Welcome to the Accessible Yoga Podcast, your weekly source for questions and answers around equity in yoga, hosted by Jeevana Heyman and Amber Carnes. Join us each week for powerful conversations with thought leaders at the intersection of justice, knowledge, and practice. Welcome to episode 26. I'm your host, Amber Carnes. In this episode, Jeevana Heyman sits down with Justin Michael Williams, an author, transformational speaker, and top 20 recording artist who has become a pioneering voice for diversity and inclusion and wellness. Justin Michael immediately opens up and shares about navigating a tough upbringing, self-doubt, and following his dreams. Justin Michael also talks about meditation as a practice that frees us all to feel our feelings and emotions. This conversation offers fresh perspectives about meditation and its place in our personal practices, wellness spaces, and social justice movements. As a special treat, Justin wraps this conversation by offering a guided meditation for us all to enjoy. Here we go. Hi, everybody. This is Jeevana. I'm so excited to be here with Justin Michael Williams. Um, hi there. Are you there? Hey, yes. Hello, hello, hello. Excited to be here. Hi. Thanks so much for joining me. Um, I'm so excited to talk to you about your work and your new book, Stay Woke, a meditation guide for the rest of us. Um, you know, our, our podcast is about um, accessible yoga and I feel like your work is so aligned with it about sharing meditation with everyone. Um, and I just, I wanted to know, I mean, I could read a bio, but I wonder if you could talk about yourself instead. I mean, you have so many different things you do. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's interesting, Jivana, because when I got the request to come on this podcast and, you know, I, it was so interesting because I looked and I said, I said, oh my gosh, I don't know that there's anything more relevant that I could be asked to do. Like this is yeah. like the <laughs> alignment of the mission and the values and everything is so important. And I think, you know, for me, it has so much to do with even the reason why I wrote a book. You know, it was about six years ago, I, I got asked to write a meditation book and I said no, because the concept mm -hmm. was actually like just meditation for more productivity and focus and like mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I, I don't, I don't really want to write that. And I don't think the world needs that. And then it was after the 2016 election, when I think so many of us were asking ourselves, how do we show up in a way that's authentic and true for us? You know, how do we mm -hmm. really show up in a way? And, and I can go to the protests and the marches and the rallies, which I do, but going to that and, and organizing in that way doesn't use any of my, my skills, you know, and mm -hmm. my passions. And so I was in that deep inquiry that I think so many of us were in at that time asking, what do we do? And mm -hmm. I remember this moment coming to me saying, oh my gosh, Justin, like here you've been teaching and speaking all over the world, doing these big conferences like Yoga Journal and Wonderlust. And you're always the one black guy in a room full of white people always mm -hmm. like consistently. And I, and I have been since, you know, I was started doing yoga in 2006 mm -hmm. and, and I had this awakening where I said, why am I not bringing this practice that has changed my life so much more specifically to communities of people who look more like me? Mm -hmm. And what happened quite frankly, Jivana, is I, I just started hosting sessions in my apartment in Los Angeles with like rooms of people who were black, brown, BIPOC, you know, queer, like 
completely different demographic than, you know, woke white women at yoga journal conferences. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which which I like both. I'm not like down talking anybody, but it was just such a different demographic. And I'll tell you what happened was my talk that I had given all over the world. That was kind of my signature kind of Ted talk thing. I had to throw it out the window because Mm -hmm. the questions that this community was asking were more like the questions that I was asking when I first started meditating. Like, well, my grandmother said, this is worshiping the devil, mm-hmm. you know? And what, so, so the questions and everything completely changed. And like, how do you say that your thoughts create your reality when you're a black woman who is experiencing birth trauma mm-hmm. at rates that are different than, you know, any other woman in the world and whose thoughts are creating that? Or when you're an African-American man or a Latino mm-hmm. child stuck in a cage who gets separated from your family, like your thoughts created that, you know? Right. And so right. the questions changed. And so that's when I said, ah, we have a book. We have a book. Yeah. And that's well, where the gave birth to that. It's a beautiful book. I yeah. mean, I'm about halfway through and it's really awesome. I mean, I, I feel like you, you know, you speak in a very direct, clear way. Maybe that's what you're talking about is that it doesn't sound, you know, like a lot of the yoga and meditation books that I see. Um, but you, I, can we talk more? I want to talk more about your background first, just because yeah. I feel like it's been so it's I, I've I've watched you for a while. I mean, the fact that I mean, I'm an out gay man and like in yoga, there's actually not that many of us and no. I've been looking for others. So <laughs> I, yeah. I've always been impressed with you and how out you are and all the different things you do, you know, like you're doing uh, music as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of pieces in. I mean, I guess when you're speaking about the background, you know, in particular, I I think what I feel called to share right now that feels important is, you know, people see me now, right? Like, oh, you're, you're like, you're saying, oh, I've seen you and I've watched you, you know, and on Instagram and all these moments and the verified account and the book. And, and what I say to people and what often people think is that I grew up in some like kind of black privilege environment, you know, <laughs> just because mm. of the way that I speak. <laughs> and it's so funny because when people really like, I remember when I brought my ex to my hometown where I grew up, he actually started crying when we, when he walked in the door um, because he was like, I had no idea, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, you can tell me, but I had no idea. And the thing is I, I grew up in a home literally with gunshot holes on the outside of my house. Yeah. And, I down the book. you know, with domestic violence and trauma. And, and I think one of the things that, you know, I say in the book, but I'll say it a little differently here is all of us, we grow up no matter how beautiful or how much money you grew up with, or if both of your parents were together, we all grew up with some kind of trauma or conditioning and, and we learn to adapt to that. And my adaptation is one that I think so many of us have, which was to become what I call a chronic overachiever. <laughs> you know, yeah. like if I just do enough, if I be enough, yeah. if I accomplish enough, then maybe someone will love me. Like maybe then I'll finally be enough. And, and so for me, I followed that path like to the T, like checked every box on the list, graduated the top of my class, you know, got a full ride academic scholarship to go to UCLA. I get to LA, I come out of the closet, I have extra money, I'm living in this gorgeous neighborhood. And I had this moment sitting on my dorm room floor at 19 years old, when I said, how is it that I've done everything? I have checked every box and I'm still mm-hmm. miserable. I'm still mm-hmm. miserable. Right. And I think so many of us have this moment, you know, where we've 
try to change the external, hoping it'll change something within. And, and that mm -hmm. moment, that kind of moment on literally my dorm room floor, when I was looking in the mirror, like struggling with an eating disorder because I think I was trying to find something to control, that was actually the cracking open that mm -hmm. led me to start to search for happiness somewhere other than outside of myself. And that's what brought me to yoga and meditation. And then, you know, through a very long windy path here today. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. I love that story. I also love how you talk about your grandmother mm -hmm. and um, how she really pushed you or asked you a question that really made you kind of wake up to your life's purpose. And I just, you know, for me, I also had a close relationship with my grandmother. She taught me yoga actually when I was a small child. Oh, and, wow. You know, she was ahead of her time in yoga. I mean, she was living in LA, kind of, I think, an older hippie. Um, <laughs> But it really had such a strong influence on me because it was like always in my mind, you know, she she had just, it's not like I practiced since then, but she had kind of given me that awareness that it exists, you know, that um, wow. we we meditated together actually when I was probably like two years old. Wow. Um, yeah, she was incredible. But I mean, I love what you shared. I don't know if you could talk about that at all. Yeah. Like that, so beautiful. Of course, this story, you know, uh, you know, so several years ago, my grandmother, I think it's been about almost nine years now, um, mm. my grandmother, who I was very close to, got diagnosed with stage four cancer and the doctors told her she only had a couple months to live. And it was a huge shock to our entire family. And, um, you know, so I went home, I flew home from LA to the Bay Area, uh, to Pittsburgh, California, which is where I'm originally from, little town. Most people don't know there's a Pittsburgh in California, but there is. <laughs> yeah, I know where it is. I know yes, where it is. Yes. And, and I walked in to be with my Baca and, you know, in our family, we call my grandmother Baca and it's, and it's actually not because it's like a special thing. It's literally because I am the eldest in the family. And when they were trying to teach me how to say grandma, I was like a weird ass little kid and they would go, <laughs> say grand and I would go grand and they would go say ma and I would say ma and they would go say grandma and I would go Baca. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> so, so, and she became Baca. But you want to know what the weird thing, a little aside, I just found this out two months ago and I almost like fell out of my seat. I was mm. on a huge webinar and I told the story and this woman told me in the chat box, she goes, Baca means grandma in Serbian. Oh, wow. And I was like, what? I mean, I've never heard this. So I looked it up oh. and it does. So I was like, little Justin was channeling. <laughs> Everybody thought I was crazy, but I was channeling some past life stuff, I think. And so, yeah. Anyway, Amazing. Anyway, Amazing. going back to the story, you know, I, I walk in the door with my suitcase and everything, and my whole family's in the house. And my grandmother just puts her finger over her lips and goes, shh. And she motions me back to her bedroom. And I walk into the room. And she asked me a question that literally changed the trajectory of my whole life. She just said, if you were in my shoes and you knew you were going to die in two months, what would you do? And I'm looking at her really thinking, Giovanna, like, what are you talking? Like, what are you mm -hmm. talking about? You know, I'm like, I'm not dying. I mean, I am, but hopefully slower than you. Like, you know, yeah. what, like, yeah. what are you talking about? And she just goes, get quiet, get still, do that meditation thing you're always talking about. Mm. And what she actually said was, and this didn't make it in the book, but she said, don't open your lips until you're going to tell me the truth. Wow. And it didn't take me long. Like I closed my eyes. I think she like cracked. Some, I think I was already pretty raw because hearing the news. And so 
she just like cracked it open. And I felt this well of emotions come running up and I wanted to cry, but I couldn't cry because when I was a kid, they said only faggots cry. And I would just, I just mm. blurted out and I said, I would quit everything I'm doing and I would record an album. Mm. I would do music. I would stop hiding myself. I would travel and speak and stop hiding the truth of who I am. And I think, you know, so many of us have these moments um, where, you know, I'd always wanted to do music since I was a little kid, but I never thought I was good enough. I let all the kids who tease me about being gay, about being different. I let growing up poor and my circumstances control what I did. And I think we all have these things that we want to do with our lives, whether it's about our bodies or our relationships or our money or our art or creativity or business ideas. And mm -hmm. they stop because somebody said, you know, nope, you're too fat or you're too old or we don't do that or people like us don't do that or you should have done it before you had kids or you waited too long. Mm -hmm. or... mm -hmm. So anyway, you know, I can go on and on, but the whole, the whole point is that moment with my grandmother woke up something in me that I thought was dead. And I want to share a quote with you mm -hmm. that is not in the book, um, but I share it everywhere I speak now because it's one that I had heard and it's what really defines this pivotal moment for me with my grandmother. And the quote is this, it says, someone once told me the definition of hell. And it's that on the last day you have on earth, the person you became will meet the person you could have become. Mm. And I felt that so deeply in that moment that I was at this fork in the road where I was either going to keep following my life, trying to get out of my circumstances, trying to fulfill everyone's expectations, trying to be successful based upon someone else's standards, or I was going to choose to go after my dharma and my dream. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I did. And, you know, my album ended up charting in the top 20 and, you know, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work <laughs> moving past my fears and the inner critic. It wasn't easy. And, mm. and now we're here today, you know, with yeah. a completely different life. So that's amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I like that question about, um, you know, that just facing our mortality. I mean, that's also a theme in my work personally, just cause I, I was an AIDS activist in the eighties and nineties and, and I was using yoga for my own self care. And then I started teaching yoga to people with HIV and AIDS in San Francisco, actually mm. in the nineties and accessible yoga came out of that. But it was really out of my personal, you know, questioning around death and yeah. my interest in yoga just came out of that having friends, so many friends die, uh, including my best friend died in, in 1995. I think I'm, I'm older than you. Yeah, I'm 52. Uh, I'm 32. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm 53. Wow. But, um, yeah. I mean, our, like my generation and slightly older, just like, you know, we were devastated by AIDS yeah. and I just it was such a big part of you know I was like coming out in the middle of the another pandemic wow um and it was just a really painful time but it also brought up that question that you ask around or that issue around like facing our mortality and realizing that we have to make a choice and life is short and um and it also brings up the question around who are we and are we just the body and mind or are we spiritual beings? And that's what yoga really and meditation did for me was really start to answer some of those questions. Yeah. It, you know, I think what you're saying is so profound because it, it reminds me of a big shift that I had several years ago 
um, as it relates to, you know, what I do. And I think this, this will free a lot of people hearing this. Like even, you know, when we started this, this episode, you said, you know, you do so many things, like you're an artist and, and, and an author and a singer and a this. And I had this moment a few years ago where I was feeling like confused and disintegrated because I was like, oh, like, am I a singer? Am I a writer? Am I a speaker? Am I a, like, what am I, you know? And I think mm. the self-help world will often try, this is like a shadow aspect, I think, of the rigidity that mm. comes from like a white male dominated you know, industry that is now diversifying, but it's like to classify people into these rigid boxes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, I had a lot of confusion around that. And one of my mentors said something to me that changed everything. She said, Justin, your purpose is not a job title. Mm -hmm. And you cannot define, if you need to stop trying to define what you do as a noun and instead, mm -hmm define it as a verb. Like mm -hmm. you are not in, when people ask, what are you or what do you do? You know, we, <laughs> we do an action, not a, a noun. And so I now say, you know, what I do is I liberate people's mm -hmm. minds and hearts and I inspire people to break past their fears and live their dreams. And when I say that, then everything that I do makes sense because I do that in my writing, I do that in my book, I do that in my music. It's like all connected to that same thread, which I think comes back to the point that you just made about, you know, are we just these things in these bodies or is there an energy that's pulsing through us? Um, mm -hmm. So anyway, just wanted to share that. No, I love that. I love that. I think that's beautiful. I, I mean, I, I'm actually writing uh, my second book right now and it's hard, you know, I think because I'm, I identify as a yoga teacher and not as a writer. And I think there's a lot of insecurities. So it's hard to, it's hard to change medium, but I think the message is the same. You know, I'm just trying to share the same thing that I found in yoga, what that means to me through yeah. books. And, and now like here through a podcast or through whatever, we have many different platforms and it's like going online. It's like a lot of yoga teachers really struggled with moving online, but it's like, really, it's just another format for the same message that we've been sharing all along. And I think with, in yoga, we just need to get clear on what that message is. And actually, I think when going back to your book, I actually felt like that's what I really appreciated. Um, one of the things I, I heard in the book is that there is a clear message that you're trying to share. It's not, it's not that there's like an, an answer so much as um, kind of pushing people towards towards questioning themselves. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so grateful that you that you caught that. And as a teacher, I, I know that you can see that um, mm -hmm. because you know one of my commitments when I was writing "Stay Woke" was you know as a part of, and I don't use this language in the book, but this is kind of one of the intentions underneath is decolonizing our wellness practices. Yeah. And in the, I would say colonization of, you know, our self-care, the, what, what's really happened is we are constantly looking outside of ourselves to ask someone else to tell us mm -hmm. what we should be doing, what practices we should be doing in order to be well in order to liberate ourselves. And I think, I, I wanna be very clear that like, I think getting help and having teachers and having gurus and having support and learning, of course, that's all great and fine. But when it comes to a practice like meditation, where we say like, oh, you know, the answers are within you, 
then why are we constantly reliant on something outside of ourselves to do mm -hmm. that practice? Yeah. You yeah. know, and so, and so the, in, in Stay Woke, one of my main intentions was to make sure there was no moment in the book where I tell you what to do. Like mm -hmm. the whole book is me inviting you into asking you the right questions so that you can, and, you know, and the whole book is kind of like going through, I use this metaphor of cooking with my grandmother mm -hmm. throughout the whole book. And the whole book for me is like, I'm giving you all these ingredients and I'm saying, what kind of meal do you want to make? You know, what kind of dietary restrictions do you have? Because the way that a single mom with mm -hmm. three kids who's working two jobs is going to meditate is very different than a white woman who is, you know, has all of her, who's an empty nester and lives in the mountains. Like those are two very different practices that mm -hmm. you're going to embody. And so I just try to invite people into figuring out what kind of practice works for them in, in their own life so that they can change their own lives. And maybe we could go back to something you mentioned right away, which is you said um, that when you started teaching to other people of color that you realized there's different, different questions. And I think you talked about how, um, yeah, I don't know the words you used, but it was interesting to me that I feel like the teaching sometimes make us feel like responsible for our situation in a way that's oppressive rather than empowering us to make change. Yeah. And, and I feel like that's what you're trying. I feel like that's what you're getting at when you say decolonizing. Totally. It's like getting away from that kind of continuing to oppress through self-care practices. Yeah. That's it, because I think what happens for so many of us, there's, you know, there's a practice in the book that talks about the prison of perfectionism. Mm -hmm. And um, I think here, let me see if I can just flip to it really quick. You know, I think one of the lines in there, here it is, that feels really important to me is, <clears throat> it's this, it says, perfectionism is oppression. It's a system that profits on our not enoughness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what the self-help world really tells us is like, you know, buy this and you'll be happy, eat that and you'll be healthy, read this and you'll be enlightened, take that class, lose more weight, apply more of this, get that degree, make more, do this, do this, and then you'll finally mm -hmm. be healed. And mm -hmm. then what happens is because that 40-day challenge doesn't heal us, we feel like something is wrong with us in the first place, and then we have to do another one. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we yeah. keep like going in this cycle. And... I, I think that we, if we come from a perspective of brokenness and trying to mm -hmm. fix something that's broken, it's very different than coming from mm -hmm. a perspective of wholeness and trying to enhance something that's already whole. Yeah. And so that's the angle that I try to come from throughout. Yeah. I mean, I love that. And I, I, I also have that perspective in terms of um, accessible yoga because our work is mostly originally was people with, for people with disabilities and, around ableism and i i feel like this is another it's a it's a it's a larger example of the same problem of like ableism and yoga where you set you you think oh you have to perform this certain asana and do it a certain way yeah. um to in order to be a good yogi uh, yeah. and i feel like you're sharing that about our minds and around the way we meditate which is something that i think um we need to talk about more because i feel like we interpret the teachings like you have to quiet the mind, um, you need to yeah. focus, you know, <laughs> sure. like th those, I, I love that you said it right away. Like those aren't, that's not what meditation is. Um, no. Such, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I remember the, you know, just to keep it super real, what's, 
I love this. There's a saying that one of my friends, who's also an incredible teacher and, and author, um, Shauna Shapiro, she has a book um, called um, Good Morning, I Love You, about rewiring your brain. And she says this quote always, that what you practice grows stronger. And what most of us are practicing when we're meditating, you know, until we finally unlock into the right kind of meditation that works for us, what most of us are practicing is this masochistic version of beating ourselves up in our heads for 20 or 30 minutes. <laughs> like literally, like that's what we're practicing. And yeah. so that ends up growing stronger. And I think one of the biggest things mm -hmm. that people think is that, you know, we're supposed to get our minds to stop thinking or slow down, you mm -hmm. know, when we're meditating. And I say in the book, you know, like, that would be like me saying, all right, everybody, I need you to all to get your hearts to stop beating. Let's go. One, two, three. Like, that's the goal of meditation. Like, let's get right. our And it's just so silly. I, when I would say that, it would be silly. And then for some people, every once in a while, I'm in a room and somebody's like, well, I've gotten my mind to stop thinking. And I say it very lovingly. You know, I'm saying it a little more sarcastically now, but I'm like, okay, just the idea that you got your mind to stop thinking is what? A hmm. thought. Like, right. that's a thought. like you did not keep your mind to stop thinking. You know? <laughs> like, let's let that propaganda of meditation go because the truth is most of us don't want to get our minds to stop thinking. I think what we want is to get our thoughts to work for us instead of against us. Right. And the way to do that is to lean in, not to lean away from our lives, but to lean into our lives even more. And, and I, one of my favorite quotes in my book that I use always is that, you know, meditation is not about relaxing. Meditation is about becoming more alive. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have the opportunity to do when we lean into our lives. Hmm. Can you say more about that? So, and actually, I don't know if you want to say more about it or if, we want, if you want to lead a practice, but I'd love to have you expand on that idea of how, how does meditation make you lean into your life and feel more alive? Um, yeah, I'll say a couple things and then and then I will totally lead us in a, in a short practice. So, one of the biggest things about meditation that I find will free you when you really get this, and this is the part that I think is the most beneficial for us to practice, is what happens is we tell ourselves when we're meditating, and many of us have heard this, like you don't, you don't have to attach to your thoughts, like you just let anything arise. And we know that, and we can do it, usually pretty well, unless something arises, that's hard for us, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. and, then, mm -hmm. and then it's like, oh, fuck, like, I'm sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on here, but I'm just you like- You are, you can say whatever you want. So it's like, then we're like, dang it, you know, I, I'm anxious today, I must not be meditating right, I need to fix this, or I'm sad today, or I'm this, or I'm that. And what happens is we end up pushing down the emotions on kind of that wheel or spectrum of emotions that are more difficult for us to feel. Mm -hmm. And when we continue to push those difficult emotions down, it not only scientifically is proven to lessen or worsen our mental health, but what really ends up happening is all that we're pushing down, which is again, what we're practicing in our meditation, we're practicing suppress it, suppression or practicing spiritually bypassing or practicing pushing it down, then it ends up seeping up and exploding in some area of our lives where it doesn't belong. Mm -hmm. But when we end up learning that we can practice in our meditation being with what arises without demonizing the emotions that are 
harder to feel without demonizing quote unquote darkness. When we don't do that, then what happens is when we're facing challenges in our lives or moments that are a little harder for us to sit with, we now have practiced it so it's grown stronger and we can sit with the truth of what's happening in our lives so that we can face it, change it, be with it, sit, you know, we can show up differently for what's actually happening in our lives instead mm -hmm. of being in avoidance of it all. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the practice, what I love is people will know that I'm like half very woo woo and half super science geeky. And so like <laughs> what I love is that there's so much science right now proving that, you know, meditation is something that's an intervention that can cause what's called post-traumatic growth. Mm. And meaning that, you know, why is it that some people go through a trauma and it ruins their entire life forever? And some people go through a trauma and they find meaning and purpose. Well, mm -hmm. a part of that, it, the part of what defines whether you, you know, kind of go down a rabbit hole or if you find meaning and purpose and how quickly it happens is your level of resilience to be able to sit with the truth of what's happening instead of running away from it. And so what they are proving in all the science is that meditation is one of the best tools for us to build our resiliency and stretch mm -hmm. our capacity and our window of tolerance for things that are happening in our life that are challenging. And what a better moment to have that skill than now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, yeah. God. So yeah. anyway, I can go on and on kind of geeking out about that, but. Yeah, um, that's awesome. I, I mean, I love that idea. I think uh, resiliency is a beautiful word. I mean, it, it just makes me feel like, um, it's again, going back to asana, you know, I teach a lot of yoga and I, I think about how we focus so much on flexibility, mm -hmm. but if you actually look at the science, uh, flexibility isn't really that good for you. You know, it's, it's, you, you want range of motion so you can live your life as you get older. And it seems similar to me. It's like, we've focused on certain skills and meditation that aren't necessarily helpful. They aren't necessarily applicable to living a fuller or happier life, but it's like what we think we're supposed to have done or what we're supposed to be learning and and also it makes me think of the yoga teachings like the yoga sutras you know quieting the mind is yoga when i think it's just like a it's a false interpretation mm -hmm. you know it's just not or at least it, maybe it's time to change the way we interpret these teachings um and that that's what i'm working on these days a lot is trying that's to beautiful make those teachings accessible kind of re-examine them that's yeah. beautiful and I think that's what it is. And I, you know, I think part of the honoring that I try to do as, as critical as sometimes I am about the way things are, um, you know, I say it kind of jokingly in some ways, because the truth is, is nothing's wrong. It just is time for a reinterpretation, you know, right. and that's what's happening as the diversification of our community is happening is people are coming in and going, wait, that doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that might make sense for like this group of people, but like that, that does not make sense. And, right. and just like the laws of government, you know, that have required many amendments as the context of our mm. world has changed, mm -hmm. like these laws of the universe or of how yoga was brought to the West, yeah. you know, there it's, it's time for adjustments. And yeah. I think that's what people like you um, are doing that is just so amazing. So I'm, I'm super grateful to be here. Yeah, and you. I mean, wow, this just I mean, I, I'm loving talking to you. Anyway, you were gonna maybe lead us yeah. in a practice. Let's, let's practice. Yeah, I'll do one of the favorites. Um I'll do a, a shorter a shortened version of one of the favorites from the book, um, called Discovering Your Unique Energy Signature. 
And this is a really fun one for me and I'll explain why in a moment. So I think just to begin, uh, for everybody listening who's practicing, I'll invite you to start with your eyes open and just soften into your body like 5% more. Like let go of that rigid structure that makes you think that in order to meditate, you have to sit up super tall and straight. What I want you to do instead is just be comfortable, be loose, whatever that means. If you have to lean back on something or kind of slouch in your chair, or if you decide that being comfortable means sitting up super straight and tall, that's fine as well. Just welcome what feels right for you. And then take a deep, full breath in. Place your hands over your heart and take a breath out. And with your eyes open, I want you to just look at something that's straight across from you in the space that you're in and try to focus your eyes on one point. And it could be any point. It doesn't have to be an important or a special point. It could be just a spot on the wall that's noticeable. And try to keep your eyes focused just on this one point. And now while keeping your eyes focused, try not to move them at all. Start to expand your peripheral awareness. So that means without moving your eyes very much, notice how far to the right of you, you can see without moving your eyes and how far to the left of you, you can see without moving your eyes and how far above and below you, you can see all while looking still at this one point. And notice as you expand your peripheral vision, how many colors and textures and the diversity of light patterns you can take in from the space around you, all while looking still at this one point. And I want you to notice that what we're doing with our eyes right now is a great metaphor for what you're invited to do with your mind when you meditate. It's natural to us. We focus on a point and we welcome in the diversity of our inner experience, just like you're welcoming in the diversity of light patterns and textures while you focus on a point with your eyes. So with that spaciousness, I invite you to close your eyes if it feels comfortable to you and invite that awareness inward. And if you wanna keep your eyes open for this practice, that's totally fine as well but just keep kind of a soft blurred out gaze like you're gazing off into the horizon so you don't get too distracted. And on the count of three, I want you to exhale everything out of your system through your nose. One, two, three, exhale everything out, come to completely empty. And now to my count of three, inhale for one, two, three, hold for one, two, three, Exhale, one, two, three. Let's do that again a little deeper this time. Inhale, one, two, three. Hold for one, two, three. Exhale, one, two, three. Last time, there's nowhere to go, nowhere to rush to. Just let yourself be here. Inhale, one, two, three. Hold for one, two, three three, exhale, one, two, three. Great. Now just breathe normally. And you can keep your hands over your heart if you'd like, otherwise you can drop them and be comfortable. And I'm gonna invite you into a short visualization with me. 
But I want you to remember that some people visualize by seeing images in their heads. But some of us don't visualize that way at all. Some of us visualize by hearing sounds in our minds or smelling things or tasting things. Or we imagine with our physical body, meaning we kinesthetically feel things or sense things, or we even imagine with our emotions or some combination of all of those. And so as I guide you through this, if you don't see something in your mind's eye, you're not doing it wrong. And even if your vision is fuzzy or blurry or incomplete, you're not doing it wrong. So just notice what you notice and don't try to force anything. All right, here we go. So I want you to imagine a future version of yourself who is living the life of your dreams. You have the body you've always wanted, you're in the house you've always wanted, you're in the relationships you've always wanted, you have the money you've always wanted, your career is the way you've always wanted, the world is exactly as you've always dreamed of. And if this feels impossible for a moment, good. Because if we can't think beyond our current circumstances, we'll never be able to live beyond our current circumstances. So let yourself go there with me for a moment. And you might have multiple images kind of shuffling in your mind. Just let one bubble up to the surface and let's try to dimensionalize this a little bit. As you look at this future version of you, who's living the life of your dreams, Notice, are you indoor or are you outdoor in the vision? What color are you wearing? Is there anybody there with you? And what do you see when you scan around you in the environment? Any colors, any textures, patterns? And what's happening in this vision that indicates to you that something's different, that you are indeed living the life of your dreams? And then notice, without trying to force it, do you hear anything in this environment? Are there any sounds associated? And if you don't hear anything, don't force it. You're not doing it wrong. Do you smell anything or taste anything? Is there any physical sensation that you can notice? A temperature? And most importantly, what is the emotional quality of this space? How does it feel to be living the life of your dreams? And now I'm gonna ask you a question and I want you to answer this question using one, two, or three words, the first words that come to mind. Here's your question. As you look at this future version of you who's living the life of your dreams, what energy do you need to cultivate more of in your life now, today, to become that person? that you're seeing in your vision. I'll ask it again. What energy 
do you need to cultivate more of in your life now to become that person in your vision? And for the next few breaths, I want you to just repeat those words in your mind. And imagine on the inhale, you're literally inhaling the energy of these words. And the words can turn into a color or a texture or a pattern or light. And as you inhale, imagine the energy of these words covering every crevice of your inner and outer body bathing you, soothing you, healing your mind and spirit. Any part of you that feels lost or broken, this energy is healing with each breath in. Like you're taking a shower in it. And then ins and inside out, you're being healed. And then on each exhale now, imagine that you're sending this energy out to everybody who needs it. So we have this reciprocal energy where we're inhaling the energy and it's healing us, enlivening us, soothing us, bathing us. And we exhale and it radiates out to all who need it. In this way, we're in relationship to all that is. Go ahead and take one more breath in and a breath out. And then when you're ready, I invite you to open your eyes and take your time. Huh. Okay. Wow. <laughs> How did that feel for you? That was great. That was awesome. <laughs> I want to just, while you're coming out of that, I want to just comment on one yeah. thing that feels really important to contextualize mm -hmm. this, since we did it kind of out of frame mm -hmm. of the book, is what we just did is is really powerful and for a few reasons number one we said on the one hand here's who you are now here's mm -hmm. the world we live in now and we said on the other hand here's who you want to be here's what you want to become and ultimately we said there's a gap we, we were able to see the distance of this gap between this future you and the current you and notice i didn't ask you what do you need to do to fill mm -hmm. the gap mm -hmm. We said, who do you need to become? Who do you need to be? What is the energy that you have to embody to become this? And this is really important because so many of us are so busy doing. Mm -hmm. Doing, 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 doing. But if we haven't changed at our level of being, at the energy at which we're bringing to all the doing, then we could do all the things and it will never lead us to the outcome that we really desire. Mm -hmm. For And this applies individually for your life and for social justice and for a Like literally, I always say we could use every hashtag in the book. We could bird down the whole system. We could elect new presidents. We could do the whole thing. If we haven't changed at our level of being, mm -hmm. then we're just going to end up rebuilding the same thing all over again. Yeah. It, that's, there's no way around it. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I love, I love that connection you make to social justice because that's, that's also my interest. I feel like that's what spiritual practice is for. Yeah. Uh, and it's never taught that way. You know, it's taught as like a completely separate thing you do just for yourself, but it's really about 
everyone. You know, it's about ourselves, but also others. That's the that's actually where I got where my heart really. I don't know. You got me when you mentioned you were having us visualize ourselves, and then you said and the whole world, and I was like, world. oh wow, yeah, Oof, that was amazing. Yeah, sometimes I lead that practice when it's a little longer. When I do like a twenty mm. minute version, I have people turn in their vision, and I tell them to imagine. Now all of a sudden you see a screen, like a television screen, and there's a world leader mm. and they're giving an announcement. And it's the most incredible announcement you could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. What is the announcement? Yeah. You know, what is that for you? And then, and then we go, okay, and now what is the energy that I need to cultivate to mm. bring that to life? Yeah. You know? And so this, this allows us to really see the connection that sometimes sounds so philosophical mm -hmm. with the internal work affecting our external world. And that's really what I'm here to, to do is to help yeah. facilitate that connection between those two things. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I love that. I'm right there with you. So thank you so much. That was just amazing. I love that connection you're making. It's just so beautiful to me. Um, you know, that's what these teachings are for. And yeah. you're doing it beautifully. So, wow, thank you. I really, I really, you know, appreciate your time. And um, that was, that was a wonderful practice. I, I, I mean, I recommend everyone get the book. Also, they can find you what online they can. I'm so easy to find. Yeah. <laughs> just search, like, yeah. Just search, if you search Justin Michael Williams anywhere, anywhere, um, anywhere in the world, the, the thing that I would like to invite people into, you know, I think mm -hmm. one of the things that we're, really desiring right now for m many of us with all the distance socially or physically is a sense of real deep community. And um, I have something that I do every single Sunday that's totally free mm. and it's called The Kingdom. And I tell people it's imagine if church, Super Soul Sunday and a TED Talk had a baby, boom. Mm. Like it's, mm. it's like wisdom coming from lots of traditions. I have incredible special guests. It's like mm. a 75 minute like love, hope, positivity, but also practical action step masterclass every Sunday. And so if you just go to justinmichaelwilliams.com and click on the link at the top that says the kingdom, um, you'll register for that and it's totally free. There's no catch to it. It's just a way to bring the community together. And if you can't make it live, you can always watch um, the recordings. It's every Sunday at 11, 11 a.m. Pacific time to 11 p.m. Eastern. So wow. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Great. Oh, oh, wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. And again, thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Great. All right. Thank you. I'm going to talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another week of the Accessible Yoga Podcast. I wanted to let everyone know that enrollment is open right now for Jeevana's next Accessible Yoga Training Online, which is starting uh, this week on Friday, uh, January 22nd. So enrollment is open now through Thursday the 21st. We'd love to have you join us. This is a 30-hour continuing education program that teaches you to design multi-level classes where students of different abilities, ages, shapes, sizes, 
sizes, experience levels can all practice together with ease. So if you've been thinking about the training, make sure you go to the website at accessibleyogatraining.com and check it out. Class starts on Friday and runs through February 5th. We're so excited to learn with you. So make sure you check out the training if you're interested. Also, we hope you leave us a review about the podcast wherever you subscribe and make sure you're subscribed to this podcast so you get our updates every week. We really love hearing your feedback. We encourage you to submit a question or suggest a topic or a guest for us to interview over at our website, accessibleyogatraining.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Bye.